Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. Mr. President, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Why aren't you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that, and many people said you shouldn't do them, but you see the polls have come out, and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two. And I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Should I be doing that? Uh, And a network that isn't particularly friendly to me. There you have it, Mike Murphy, the winner of last night's Republican debate, in my view, Donald J. Trump sitting with uh, his designated interviewer, uh, Tucker Carlson, while eight other candidates appeared in Milwaukee trying to punch their way into a race that Trump is leading, not by 50 and 60. By the way, by the end of that answer, he was leading by 70. But a boom. No, he was. No, I'm serious. He, oh, he really? Said, yeah, there's an insto poll. I didn't see. Later it. in the answer, he said he said he said seventy, just like he said during the interview that the crowd. Oh, I see. Yeah, the crowd at, on January sixth was the biggest crowd ever, bigger than a million people. Well, anyway, Trump is Trump. Yeah, no, uh, he's leading by 118. I hear. That's yes, because they let him number. keep going. It'll be up by, by 120 by the time we get to lunch. Trump is Trump, and Gibbs is Gibbs. Gibbs, good to see you, brother. Good morning, Axe. I'm bleary-eyed, guys, but eager to hear what you guys thought. Well, I'll be contrarian as usual, because this conventional view is, oh, Trump had a great night. You were contrarian when you said Trump would show up, but go ahead. Yeah, well, no, I didn't say that. I said, I think there's a shot he will. Um, But anyway, I don't think Trump won last night. I thought it was kind of weird that nobody talked about him for an hour now you can say that was all fear and everything and then when they finally did talk about him it was the coward olympics i mean you have to look at this thing yeah the moderators were terrible i mean let me let me pound on the fox for a minute one just buckle up axe murphy's got a few things on his chest today (laughs) i know i'm here to help i'm here to help Mike. yeah lean back and tell us all about it okay well let me just say We all know, we're see who admit it, that if somehow Biden was there at a podium, he would have had a terrible night, too. He would have looked like a doddering old guy. All right. And that, so you that's punch your later. card. Now go on with your all commentary. Right. All right. All right. I, I can tell I'm going to get heckled here by the radio <laughs> DNC for the entire. First of all, shame on Fox and shame on all of them for doing these gladiator debates with the big audience of Yahoo screaming all the time. I mean, our our informed listeners ought to go back and Google the old Jack Kennedy, Dick Nixon debates or something where it was two guys in the studio, which is how it ought to be. A lot more pressure on them to perform than this carnival. Although, although, although you should go go on YouTube and watch the Lincoln Douglas debates. They uh, they had crowds. Yeah, no, no, that's true. But the crowds were more polite then. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've seen the tape. So, but but anyway, we're all a little punchy here. My point was. Nikki Haley got in the race last night and it's pl- there's plenty of time. She broke through a little and there's going to be an, I'm not her biggest fan, but I thought she had the best performance and it, it gave her an opening to be somebody. So she's going to have money flowing from people uh-huh. who, you know, were with DeSantis. And I think also might've been with Scott who had a terrible night, did nothing to take advantage of yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. I also got to give Pence some credit. He made the best and strongest case and forced the rest of them to fall in behind him on explaining what he did on January 6th. Now, he's in such a hole in the primary. I don't know if it could dig out, but if I were managing Pence, I, I couldn't have asked for anything more from my candidate than Pence gave last night. And finally, just to wrap up on the Fox thing beyond the, the howling crowd, 
no follow-ups, you know, kitten paws around Trump, just shameful. That the whole thing was uh, was barely journalism from from their side. All right, now take a rest, Gibbs. What did you think? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> We're gonna go back to giving him his passion. Oxygen. Passion, you guys. To pick up on your last point, I mean, it was, I chuckled about an hour in as, as Fox like tiptoes into, we're going to take the next 30 seconds to talk a little bit about indictments before returning to our regularly scheduled debate. They exactly. clearly wanted zero to do with Donald Trump. I'm not surprised that many of the candidates didn't want to, or that he wasn't a big subject of, 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 he got, they certainly got into it. I don't know that you Well, they know their audience, Gibbs. I was going to say, if you look at the the polling, they're they're not going to attack a guy who's got a high fave in a Republican primary. They're eventually going to have to get to it. On the audience thing, I'll I'll get back to you in a second. But yep. you know, everybody went nuts when and and I understand all the controversy when CNN had its town hall meeting with Trump about the audience. Okay, but last night you saw it again. You draw a representative Republican audience. Right. And that's what you get. You get half a room full of Trump people going nuts. Of course there were there were actually Trumps in the audience going nuts as well. But uh but the Fox Fox obviously knew what the candidates did and I'm not excusing it all, at, at all. I'll talk more about this in a second, but they, you know, it's Trump's it's Trump's world and they're living in it. You know, but under that formula, we could do a New Hampshire debate now. With Democrats and independents, with Joe Biden and in nutcase Robert Kennedy Jr., and 35% of them would be very lukewarm on Biden. And there'd be some yelling and howling on vaccine stuff, too. So I just, you know, do we need to yeah. run these things like the price is right? That, that's my point. Come on down, Murphy. You're the <laughs> next contestant. I think, no, I thought I agree with you that I think Haley had a good night. I think she was animated, I think she was engaged. I think Ramaswamy found himself. I think Speaking a lot of, of game people, show hosts. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people read their polling and and realized that he has been on the move upwards, and so he caught all the arrows. and And I think, look, I think if you add in particularly his very weird interview around January sixth and nine eleven, um, it, it's pretty clear that and and actually you know this, you you can perform a bit off Broadway. Uh, in in these presidential uh, races and catch some grassroots fire. But then people start asking you hard questions. And actually, you have to take those little cute 18 to 30 second sound bites and people get to follow up a little bit, press you uh, as as Nikki did. You know my favorite story from uh, an old ward committeeman in Chicago who was was interviewing him about a colleague who was going to run for a higher office. And he shook his head and said, big mistake. And I said, why is it a big mistake? He said, because the higher you climb on a pole, the more they can see your ass. And uh, <laughs> I thought that was a bit of, you know, homespun wisdom. We, and, and that's the way presidential races are like that more than any other, which is the better you do, the better you have to do. The yeah, better there's... you do, the tougher the questions, yeah. the better you do, the, the greater the scrutiny. And he's going to discover that. But I'll tell you something. I think that we underestimate, I mean, he was obnoxious and he was rude, but I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but obnoxious and rude has been trading pretty high in elements of the Republican Party. No, there's yeah. a there's a niche for him, but he did himself no good. There was curiosity about him before, 
And by being the most irritating pipsqueak in the Republican Party, he became a useful foil for Pence, Christie at moments, and particularly Haley. So I think yeah. he was more catalytic. But he'll come out of this with a little interest. I just don't think he has a long half-life. I mean, it reminds me of a similar story to yours. There was a rich self-funder in a Midwestern state who was going to run, and a wise Paul said, well, the problem is if he runs, the voters will meet him. You know, <laughs> and, and and so I think there's a little of that going on with with uh, Vavik or Vivek or, you know, the oh, pipsqueak guy who irritated everybody. Did, did uh, Gibbs, you have any Alabama homespun Alabama stories to share? <laughs> I'm sure we... Uh, I, you were run out of there at a young age. I thought Pence was animated. To your point, Murphy, I, I don't know... He was animated, quite frankly, on stuff. I don't think, to, as, as you said, I don't. I don't think he's going to kind of put uh, the the genie back in the bottle in terms of how this Republican electorate views him, largely because of the way his bosses asked the Republican electorate to view him. Uh, I, I thought it, it's pretty clear that there were a number of people on the stage who don't both understand the format of of quick, punchy answers and don't really understand how to use their larger message inside of those answers to create uh, some sort of platform for themselves. Uh, Burgum was a pretty great example of that. Yeah, it just totally. seemed to, to miss every moment. Uh, and, and so, you know, I think it, you know, actually you, you've done this too. We've, we've all done this. I mean, you have eight people up there who are probably going to give largely the same answer to every question on education, on tax cuts, on, all of these different things. You've got to find that moment. I think a few yeah. people did find those moments yeah. and a lot of people kind of shrank to the background. I will say, you know, Ron DeSantis wasn't the front and center candidate that we thought he might be. I think that may have to do with what people perceive as his ongoing political health. I don't think he had a great night, but I also don't think he had a bad night. He got his talking points out. He got he got to make his point. But that you said the right thing. Uh, oh, he got his talk. He got his talking points out, and they felt like talking points. Yes, it, yes. he he delivered set pieces. But when it got into the ebb and flow, and he had to react to circumstances on the stage, he, you saw the DeSantis that we've seen in past debates, where he just kind of freezes up and clutches the platform and searches for the right uh, thing to say. It happened on My the favorite. Six yeah, he has no natural skill for this. I mean, I, I'm kind of with Gibbs. I don't think he did well. I don't think he did badly. I I'm think with he's going to watch well. more of his donors run to Haley now. But it was like, okay, let's go to the angry accountant who's been patiently waiting to complain about something. And then we go to DeSantis, heads on spikes on the border. And then he does his bit and on we right. go. So it was not the performance he needed to be the interesting thing out of the race. That was yeah, his. Well, that's the issue. I think he did fine. He had a he had an right. okay night. He needed a great night. He needed a commanding night to show that he deserved or warranted this this uh, designation that he's had since the fall of the presumptive uh, you know a chief Trump opponent. Yeah. And he he did not do what he needed to do. But my point on this other thing is, I think that people measure candidates in these moments, not, mm -hmm. not whether they can deliver these set pieces. And if they do deliver set pieces, uh, pieces that don't feel like set pieces, yeah. but they, they want to, they want to see how you react in the give and take. And, uh, so I agree with you guys that Haley, um, mm -hmm. really surprised. Uh, and, and, and I have to say this, uh, 
you know, though Doug Burgum, the highlight of Doug Burgum's campaign were the the uh, two weeks in which Mike Murphy uh, was shining a great big light on him as a potential dark, uh, dark horse. Uh, he, Murphy also said in the last show that he, he thought that Haley had an opportunity to mm -hmm. uh, to surprise on the high side. And she did. Just like I planned it. Of course, I, you know, don't like Nikki Haley. So, but I'm being honest, she did fine. And I sure prefer her to Trump. I thought it was striking to your point on the sort of not having that natural ability. Notice on those hand raising questions, he wasn't looking at the moderator and deciding whether to raise his hand. He was looking at the other people to yeah. say like, oh, wait a minute, you, oh, wait a minute, you, you raised your hand. I, well, I better raise my hand too. And it was to your point. I mean, it just, it feels like. Uh, and we've seen this, you know, candidates that get in this, but don't really know why they're in it, don't really know what they have to say. And, and it was, it was, it was kind of painful to watch, particularly the one if, you know, if Trump's convicted, will you support him as a nominee? His hand didn't go up immediately. He went and looked and said, oh gosh, everybody's, oh, so you're for that? Well, I, yeah. I don't want to be the lone yeah. person that has to defend not being for that. Well, Murphy, you know, one of the reasons that your candidate in 2000, John McCain did well was... And you guys did this brilliantly. Authenticity. He mm -hmm. he looked like a guy who was, you know, you 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 brought the media on your bus and they sat with him and he held forth between events and then he did his events and then he held forth again. And there was a sense that he was utterly transparent about what he was thinking and who he was. Uh, I think we did well in 2008 because there was something of the same feeling about Obama I think authenticity is the coin of the realm in presidential campaigns. And that is the big, at, when you get to the core of it, I think that's DeSantis's problem. He looks like a politician searching for the, 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 the clever political answer yeah. in every instance. And I think that, that will do him in. Yeah, to various degrees, they all kind of did. No, but he was the quote bot, like DeSantis, question five, three by five, card six. Yes. But let me go back to Bergam for a minute, because you're right. I, I was enthusiastic about his potential at the beginning, and I feel for him. You know, one of his peers called me up, uh, another governor, about a month ago and said, you know, I saw Bergam. I really liked him. I talked to him and I said, are you ready for this debate? Because it's going to be unlike anything you've ever been through. And Bergam was kind of disarmingly honest in some way. He said, well, I figure I'll just go in there and talk. You know, there was no plan. Yeah. No. No, no, nothing other than, you know, some staff guy, the poor bastard said, Hey, you got to loosen up. Let's play a little basketball. I, I yeah, will right. say if, if you were to bring in like an impartial robot, Bergam in some ways has the most impressive life story of any of the people on the stage last night. He's highly accomplished in a lot of different ways, but he was, he was nervous, never been to something like that. And he was essentially running for governor of North Dakota again, but there were flashes where he was the one that seemed to have some regular authenticity. Yeah. yeah, I agree. There's great raw material there. I wish somebody who knew how this process worked, got a hold of him two years ago. Cause I think, I think what Bergen could become could beat Joe Biden easily in a general election. The problem is He's got no grip in the primary, and he's not equipped to to survive the process in a way that he'll get that shot, at least now. It's kind of a tragedy. He came to kick ass, and then he blew out his Achilles the day before the debate. Uh, Gibbs, you remember, you, remember, you remember we talked about this, the uh, pickup game we played in Philly before that debate basketball game? Yeah, just so everyone knows, the, the Barack Obama almost didn't become president because uh, Axe was uh, uh, pissed off that he, he made a cut and 
basically was about to get around him in a pickup game. So, you know, the day of the debate, here's Axe, the chief strategist, the Obama campaign, basically throwing an elbow and a hand Karate into, the chopping, face, yeah. into, into the face of the candidate. It's like, hey, Axe, I really know defense is important to you and you, well, you want to win this pickup game, but we, we got to have the <laughs> boss, um, you know, in yeah. one piece yeah. for the debate. Yeah, the stakes uh, here are not that high. It was a karate chop across the nose. He went down in a heap. The Secret Service came running, and I saw my whole career flash before my eyes because I thought I had broken the nose of the candidate. But I agree with you, Murphy, on, on Burgum. I actually thought he had some affecting moments, and I, I think his reference tone, to, small, yeah. to small town values and so on, I thought, yeah, I thought, I thought that. But he's just, you know. What he needed was a Mike Murphy well, I don't know about that. I'm an apostate, but it was like watching Babe Ruth that nobody ever handed him a, a bat until he was 45, kind of playing with one for five minutes, thinking, God, what this guy could have been. Anyway, it is what it is. It was Haley's night, and that is going to be, that's going to have an effect in, in the primary, I believe. This is what I'm, what I said at the beginning about just sort of not understanding the format and not being able to drive a larger message. He had those moments of authenticity in the first 15 seconds of the answer. And then you could see his eyes searching for, okay, how do I connect this to something else? How do I expand what I've just talked about to sort of go through, what are my three things on China? What, you know, great thing on small town. Why? What's important about that? Bring that. He, he just, you know, I, I, again, I think this was the case with Tim Scott. You know, there were, I don't think he did talking points. I think he just did bullet points, right? Well, he One was pulling chunks of his stump speech as if the exactly. big idea is to say God's green earth three times and you'll be the nominee. I was, I know the potential Scott has too. I also know he has no backbone. You know, I wrote a whole substack about missing the alpha part of the equation and, and he totally blew the opportunity, nor did he look well prepared. He, he didn't yeah. come there to make a point. Yeah. This was the, and I'll tell you what the tragedy of that is for him. Uh, is that this was what this, I disagree with you guys. I actually think Trump, anything that sort of is, Muddles the is field, a muddle yeah. Yeah, is, a, is a win for Trump. And uh, nobody, he didn't get damaged at all. And, and it, rather than clarity about who the principal challenger to him will be, I think there's, there's just more of a muddle. His principal challenger or the guy who, who entered the race just to be on the debate stage with Donald Trump, Chris Christie, who came in with great expectations as a debater, fizzled in this debate. I agree with that. I, I think for Trump, it was a good night. Let's stop for a minute and listen to a word from one of our fine sponsors. Murphy, you know this in... You know, all of them were auditioning for the rest of the Republican Party to try and be the the alpha person, as you say, Mike. Tim Scott failed. Ron DeSantis, uh, who entered the race with great expectations, uh, once again failed to live up to those expectations, even though he did better mm -hmm. than he has. But he he he's still not the guy. You know, Nikki and and now Nikki Haley did do well. Uh, I thought. The thing that she did at first, and I don't know if we have this, there are a couple of clips that stuck out to me on Nikki Haley. One was she went after Republicans and Democrats on the debt issue. Yep. yep. And I thought that was really smart, including Trump by name. She was the first one to name exactly. Trump. Exactly. 
And I thought that that showed, you know. And it was a clever sideways way to go at Trump. It as was. opposed to the Christie dynamite vest, which does nothing for Christie. Do we have the clip of her? Yeah, we do. Thing? Our crack producer, do. Hannah McDonald, uh, just signaled to our crack engineer. Secret Haley voter. Uh, that clip number three is the one we're talking about. Well, I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. They need to eliminate the earmarks that the Republicans brought back in. And they need to make sure they understand these are taxpayer dollars. It's not their dollars. And while they're all saying this, you have Ron DeSantis, you've got Tim Scott, you've got Mike Pence. They all voted to raise the debt. And Donald Trump added $8 trillion to our debt. That was her first intervention, uh, big intervention. And it was very, very striking because she was separating herself out from the incumbent politics of Washington. Uh, which I thought and was she really mentioned good. the T word, which was other than Pence yes. doing the Trump Pence administration. Yes, that would have really driven Trump crazy not to hear his name for an hour. <laughs> I, I, she also took another poke at Trump through a good prism, which is he's the most unpopular, you know, politician in America, which resonates with the party regulars who know the guy's almost certainly a stone cold loser. Though again, Biden's in such trouble. Who the hell knows? So I thought it was an adroit way to line her up as the winning alternative to Trump while hitting the conservative gong. And again, I'm not a fan. I think she's deeply cynical. She did the Faustian deal with Trump, but she is she played the most adroit Trump messaging last night. She understood the moment. She understood the format. She understood how to get all of that into that 30 seconds. She started with a, a great line, which which I mean, she. She used the T word to hit Trump before she said Trump, and that was truth, right? When she said, people aren't telling you the truth, that was Democrats, Donald, uh, Democrats, Joe Biden and others, and Republicans and Donald Trump. And then she went to hit everybody. It, it was a smart move. It was a droid. She started with a phrase before that, which is always a winner, which is, I don't care about the polls. Yep. And then she said something that actually made her sound like she didn't. <laughs> Now, her pollster is running her campaign, I'll just add, <laughs> yeah, for, yes, for yeah. cosmic reality interjection. But it was, a, again, a, it was a well-done performance, though she needs a little less coffee. Slow her down a little. She understood the format. She understood how to, make, how to point herself out as being different, how to, how, to, how to not just look at one person. I think that, that you know, and she did this later on uh, on Ukraine in her answer. Uh, and foreign policy, where she focused on one person, but I think smartly focused on you know three or four of them, uh, and and it created among many moments of separation in that debate. I think uh, that was interesting, and I don't know if this is getting ahead of ourselves, but Murphy, how does how does she take what does she do today to build off of that performance so that it isn't just this fleeting moment? Because I didn't think anybody was going to win the nomination last night. I didn't think anybody's going to lose it. Her problem is right now the most popular candidate in the Republican Party in Iowa and New Hampshire is Tim Scott in terms of favorable, unfavorable. And he's done that with good appearances, positive personality, and a hell of a lot of television advertising. She has not been as competitive there. I don't think her ad here in New Hampshire is very good. She doesn't have as much money, cash on hand. But now there are a bunch of high-dollar people who thought, 
DeSantis can beat Trump. I'm with DeSantis. Then Tim Scott are looking at her. And just in the nick of time, because she, as of two days ago, didn't have the cash muscle or the money machine to give her a strong fourth quarter in Iowa and New Hampshire. My guess is she will now have that and really be able to get in the race. Uh, so that, to me, is the material thing that happened last night. I agree with all that. But I think there's also, I think, apropos to what I said earlier, the whole leaning into the kind of outsider, even though she, you know, she, she touts her experience, but her experience is as a governor, as the UN ambassador. But uh, that the, whole, the idea that she's running against sort of the incumbent politics that everybody hates, I think was appealing. And I would continue to lean into that. Here's my question about her. I want to play the exchange she had with Vivek Ramaswamy on Ukraine. Yeah. And foreign on foreign policy. policy. Yeah. A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro-American country. I think she was incredibly strong in that clip. You know, I agree with her on the issue of Ukraine. Here's the thing. I think increasingly Republicans don't. We talked about how, you know, the pole vaulting nature of politics and when the bar gets raised, the bar gets raised. Uh, when, when you clear a bar, the bar gets raised. I, I think there's a, there's a, there is a, a chance that this thing at the end of the day becomes a vulnerability that, that, you know, the increasingly isolationist mood of the party, the sense that we're spending way too much money over there and we should be spending it here at home. I hear from my neighbors in rural Michigan. Uh, I think that ultimately it could be threatening to Biden. But right now in a Republican primary, I think it could be a vulnerability for her. I think you're both very right and wrong at the same time, which is no small accomplishment. Well, it's better than being all wrong. So you're right. There's always this nativism and this isolationism strain in the party. But from her point of view, once, she actually seems to have a compass on this, which is new for her, but I'll applaud it. Two, it gives her a distinction. Because if you want to be a clownish isolationist, you've already got Trump. And what she's got to do is get the... I mean, I keep going back to the two-way ballot I just saw in New Hampshire. I know it's not a two-way race, but 47 Trump, 42 Tim Scott. And that's less about Scott than not Trump, which he's filled in the best so far in the in the TV driven you know data. So she wants that contrast. I agree. It's not the slam dunk it was back in the good old days, but it's strong enough, and it's a contrast line. It also says adult versus amateur in the world, understanding geopolitics. That it's a good card for her to play, even though it's not the grand slam. But I do think it is a majority position, uh, and so tactically. And strategically, I think it works for her. Yeah. I was fascinated, Ron DeSantis's answer. And I think we've talked about this before. He comes across as just looking like a politician 
in an electorate that I think is looking for somebody who's not a politician. That's mm-hmm. what Donald Trump became uh, in you know in 2016 using his sort of uh, charisma to to not be a politician. But you know his answer wasn't yes we should do it. No we shouldn't do it. It was to talk about the Europeans giving more money. And Haley kind of smacked him down to say, no, right. you know, as you know, when you look at GDP and other things, Europe's quite frankly doing more than we are. It's one of those things where you, I think if you're watching this, you, you, you know, you, you see somebody taking a side of like, let's not give any more money. We should use that in the Southern border. You look at Nikki Haley, who's, who's in a different side. And then I, this is where I think you have to have and I'm sure the big money people are looking at this Murphy and watching and thinking, Ron's not the guy because he's trying to figure out a middle way to have this answer. Much like in the Mike Pence thing, they had to ask him the question three times before he said, oh, of course, I've answered this. Yeah, Mike did the right thing. It's clear he doesn't really want to answer many of these questions. He wants to He wants to go into his note card. Right. No, no, that was exactly. No, he was the most lawyerly candidate, which is not a magic rabbit in the GOP these days. No. But this point that you made, Gibbs, is the is related to the point that I made earlier, is. which is when he did when he said what he said, she saw the opportunity and she went after a specific point in his answer and yep. corrected him. And that is, I think, part of the test yes. of candidates when they're running for president is under the pressure of a debate, when situations arise, how how adroit are they? Yep. at reacting to events and taking Using them advantage, advantage of them. Yep. She looked good doing it. So yes. we'll Prepared, see. smart, talented, understood the moment. You know, and even beyond that, I totally agree, but she also looked like a winner thinking about posting up with Biden. Generationally, she's different. She's the only female running. Just, she yep. looked like a winner, which is, again, why... I get the tactically not a lot changed for Trump last night, but in the in the non-Trump half, the things are lining up now. And if she can run the table, big if, but if she can run the table from here, she could, could. There are going to be more debates. It's early breakthrough. And yeah. then the money will consolidate fast. Well, one of the questions, yeah. Murphy, is this quality that, and I've, we've talked about it before here. I felt this way when she did her town hall with... Uh, with CNN, the reason, ex- except on the abortion issue, which I think she was more more equivocal, she seemed resolute on her positions. If she, uh, under the pressure of being elevated here, defaults to the sort of too cute by half answers, right? Which historically she's always run to, right? That that I think will be that's the next test for her. Can she right? Can she uh, resist totally that? Right. And, and also, she learned a lesson last night, though. She's sitting around today thinking, I've been out on the undercard starving to half-empty gyms, and it's not been working. But last night, I had the best night of my campaign, and I threw a little Trump distance, and I'm still here. So it's okay to do that. So she might actually learn from this and lock down a little, which would help her, or she'll revert to Nikki the weather vane. And this little boomlet of hers is not going to last. I think you've identified the big question. All right. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. And now a word from our sponsors. You know, Murphy.
so Pence, I agree with you guys as well. You know, I, I had a feeling that Pence would do better in this debate than people anticipated because, first of all, he's spent four years mostly lowering expectations in his day-to-day -day performance, and the vice presidency generally diminishes you, and under Trump, even more so. But Pence did well in these vice presidential debates, you guys yeah, remember. He's a decent communicator. It's just a lot of the product scares the hell out of the suburbs because he's a social conservative, and that's not a growth market outside the primary. Well, he's, he was all, all about Iowa last night. Yep. I mean... And you know, so is he is, Scott. Yeah, he is trying to uh, he's trying to energize in, on his own behalf the evangelicals who once were his base. Uh, Trump brought him in in 2016 as his kind of beard with the evangelical community, uh, and now Trump has stolen his base, and he's trying to get it back. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but. At a minimum, what Pence uh, achieved last night was he began to reclaim his own identity. Uh, you know, he did not seem like a Trump acolyte on the stage last night. He did not seem like a guy, you know, obviously at the beginning when he did the Trump-Pence administration stuff, I thought that didn't go over particularly uh, I may be wrong. You, Murphy, you're, you, you translate into Republican for me, but that was too reminiscent, frankly. Yeah, it was a push. You know, the old, I, I was Trump's sideman kind of routine. But when he got into it, uh, he, looked, he looked like his own person. Yeah, no, look, I thought he had a little presidential gravitas. He is a credentialed conservative. And the best movie made was he, with a little help from Brett Baer and Martha McCallum, he pushed them all to say he did the right thing. So right. he's not alone. Yeah. And, you know, they all took his allegedly from a strong MAGA point of view traitorous position, which was good. Yeah. And, and he, he looked clear. He looked, he looked like an honest man. Yeah. You know what drives me nuts? And I know it's probably necessary in Republican politics. Um, you know, Tim Scott did this. Yes. You know, Pence did the right thing and then immediately wheeled around and you know orated on the, we have to end the the part the uh weaponization of uh of yeah he did justice. it by weaponizing the issue you know it's exactly. like one thing i don't want is a tilted justice department so i plan to tilt it yeah which is basically the this is the become safe harbor for all the republicans yeah they don't want to escape plan and that's the problem with tim scott he is not ready for prime time doesn't have a message strategy other than his bio, which he couldn't really get to because he needs a room to himself. Yeah, he's all bio, no message. It's tragic because, again, he, like Bergham, I think there's opportunity there. But he's uh, his campaign peaked the day before that debate. I was thinking, Gibbs, I was thinking all day yesterday about if I were Tim Scott, how would I use this debate to convert bio into message? And, you know, the reason that I mean, he's a likable person, but the reason that Republicans have embraced him to the extent they have is that he also is a living symbol for a party that has been denounced as racist. Totally. In his own telling, he's a symbol that, you know, the U.S. is not the systemically racist country that, you know, and all of that. It's like he's sitting on rocket fuel, but instead he's screwing around with propellers and stuff. He doesn't understand that the optimism, this is a great country, my story, all that stuff is so powerful 
but he hasn't distilled it to the next step. I agree. But, I agree. but it was such great positioning at the beginning. And then they made the dumb, I mean, it's not dumb. It's the rearview mirror theory of strategy, which is we've got to be President Huckabee or President Cruz or Pep, President Santorum and win mm. the Iowa caucus. He tells donors, well, I'm going to win Iowa. Somebody else is going to win New Hampshire and then I'll win yeah. South Carolina. Well, who's the magic hobo is going to win New Hampshire? Because if you give Trump a comeback there after beating him in Iowa, it's all over. And right. if you run the Christian campaign in Iowa, uh, you're, you're, you kill yourself in New Hampshire. Yeah. Ask, ask President Santorum about that. So, you know, it's, um, it's frustrating because he, like Burgum, has powerful raw ingredients that are not being applied to the current problem. And unless you can beat Trump in Iowa and New Hampshire, race is going to be over. Trump will be yeah. nominated. So many dreams shattered, Murphy. I'm feeling <laughs> you, man. I've seen the opportunity, and I am trying to save the conservative movement, <laughs> but- That's hard work. None of these cats are rising up to it, except maybe Nikki, which knowing what a cynic <laughs> Nikki is, is a hard one for me, but I'll take it. No, that's big of you, because after everything you've said here about her, you're going to be- uh, No, the problem is I Right know where her. you are right yeah. now. Yeah. With us. Murphy's been up yelling at kids that aren't even on his lawn for three hours, Axe. Don't, don't, don't he's, uh, he's having a rolling therapy session. Oh, you, you would be too if there was a once great conservative party you spent 30 years working for that's turned into the clown show we saw last night. Yeah. That would make anybody grumpy. Totally agree on Tim Scott. I mean, I, I'd, it'd be interesting. And Murphy, we should, we should duck into Iowa and see some of these guys because and, and to see yeah, Haley too. Yeah, that'd be too. fun. Because I wonder, I wonder if he's doing any of what you just, you guys just talked about out on the stump in these meetings. Because oh no, he halls. kills in the meetings. I believe me, I know all about this. Because he gets the room to himself, he gets the mic to himself. He's very good on his feet. Here are the two places that Tim Scott will kill that nobody's ever seen outside of Iowa and New Hampshire. You put him in a room full of big moderate Republican donors, he kills them. Yeah. I have a, a very experienced a political friend. Who, who reported back on a, a San Francisco event and uh, he crushed a fairly hostile room, won them all over. And he's very good. He is very good on the events because he, that way he controls the timing. He can do the whole thing. There's a reason he's 65 over like 15 fave unfavorable in both states, right. better than anybody, much better than Trump, but he's not going to close the deal if he can't be an alpha and take charge of a debate like this yeah, and do right, a little totally what agree. Nikki did, which is to line up his own identity. No, totally agree. That's the thing. He, he gets to his he gets to his bio, and then there's nothing there. I want to talk about though. I thought was the and most the bio makes him want to hear the pitch. That's the tragedy. Of right, this, the right. Beyond the bio pitch, I was fascinated, and I thought the first time I noticed Haley in this debate was the the discussion on the Dobbs decision and whether there would be a national 15 week ban or a national six week ban because many of the people Iowa is now a six week ban. Florida has a six-week ban, North Dakota has a six-week ban. Uh, but I thought, you know, in terms of interesting discussion points that could live on, right, beyond sort of the next couple of days on YouTube, was was a fascinating discussion to watch. You know, the 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 dog caught the car in the Dobbs decision, and the dog has no idea what to do with the car now, right? For 50 years chasing the car, caught the car, and 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 no clue what to do with it. Right. Well, the problem is the car is backing up over the dog. Repeatedly. Sorry for those who like their dogs and listen to this show. Yeah, send, send your angry letters to David <laughs> Axelrod and Robert Gibbs, dog haters. I love my dog. You I would that. say the octopus caught the car and some of the arms want to catch it and some are grabbing a tree trying not to catch it. And that, that's tearing the octopus apart because politically it's a nightmare. 
I'm trying to get my eight arms around that answer, but anyway. <laughs> An episode of SpongeBob. But, uh, but I thought that was fascinating because it, it looked like Nikki Haley was really calling out to suburban women. Like, look, don't criminalize women. Don't do this. I don't think she ever really landed on a 15-week or six-week or even a national or, or leave it to the states. No, she just landed on practicality. We don't have the votes. Yeah, I think that's a bad answer. Yeah, well, it's process. Pence actually had a good moment there when he turned on her and he said consensus isn't leadership. This is a moral issue and so on. Well, well, Pence is very fluid in the language of the pro-life movement because he's yes. been professionally involved in that for 20 years. So yeah. it's hard to, you know, challenge him on his turf there. You know, in her position, like everything about her is very calculated, politically smart, but you're right. It didn't have to a pro-life activist, Pence was singing the the real tune. It's a moral civil rights movement. Yeah, I thought that was that was the only off-key moment I thought for her. You know, yep. the, the art the art of doing well, and she largely pulled it off. Is you may be making political calculations, but don't let people see the wheels turning. Right, right. And in that on that answer, you could kind of see uh, the wheels turning. So, can we just return to DeSantis for a second? What sure. You're obsessed somebody, with DeSantis. Somebody should. Well, I am only because he's sitting there in second place, Mike. Is he in second place? I don't think he really is. I think he's on his way to not second place. I mean, is he done? You, you, you know, he's you. You mentioned uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Scott's favorable, but DeSantis has the best favorable in in Iowa, according to that uh, poll. I mean, he's better than Scott, better than I believe, but. They're certainly comparable. He has a higher fave, but a, also a higher unfave. Yeah, and it, the ratio's bad and it's moving the wrong way, but go ahead. Go it's ahead. not bad. It's like three to one. It's not It's not bad. The point is, is he done? No, I think no. he's catalytic because I think if Scott's win Iowa with the Christian strategy is really what they stick with, he's got a big problem called DeSantis, who's going to give him a run. And I think Pence might be back in business. So you might have three contenders over a vote that I think may be smaller than it was yeah, before was in that. Iowa. Well, don't forget, Trump has half that vote in his pocket. Yeah, well, yeah, Trump, I think, is most vulnerable there. But yeah, no, no, DeSantis is a factor, but is he the main alternative? If Nikki can keep doing what she's doing and she can use the media spotlight she'll get now and the 20 million bucks I think she'll get in 60 days, I'm not sure he'll be where he is now. And I, he can't take any more decline. So I think it's a jump ball. He's got the money to keep going. He didn't have to, to your point, Murphy, Nikki Haley needed a big night in order to replenish the campaign coffers to be able to have a decent campaign. He he certainly has the money. I don't know. We, we haven't seen yet that he has the team. Or, yeah, but, but I agree. But the money is all in the super PAC that hates him. You know? Right. Exactly. That's <laughs> they supposed they've to. got Stalingrad at the campaign headquarters. They're living on horse meat. You know, it's terrible. Keep posting the the strategy memos, uh, the yeah. 400 pages of research, which, man, that was going to go down as one of the I, I was hoping Christie would have the memo. Two things. I wanted Christie to be the prop clown with a rubber chicken. I'm surprised he didn't take the direct mano-mano thing on Trump. He would have been booed. Maybe he was afraid, but it would have been good TV. And second, oh, page 42, Ron. You know, yeah. I mean, well, you I know who picked was, it up was, gold there to be was, uh, was uh, Ramaswamy yeah, picked yeah. up the <laughs> MSNBC line. Yeah, he did. Lumped poor Christie in with you two liberal commentators uh, for <laughs> MSNBC. It was interesting to me in the thing in the commentary afterwards. Jeff Zeleny said he spoke with the uh, 
spoke with the uh, DeSantis people, and they, you know, they said they're going to hunker down and return uh, to Iowa. And it sounded like they also knew that they hadn't achieved what they hoped to achieve. To Murphy's point, this stuff moves all the time. And I think there's a, a real worry. I, I think you could make the case that he was in second, slipping to third right before uh, last night started. I think uh, Ramaswamy got a lot of airtime. I think Nikki Haley had a good night. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, this in many ways was like the undercard, right? This was the semifinal to begin to see who at some point is going to get one-on-one with Donald Trump. And if you looked at that debate stage last night, you wouldn't, and you didn't know who those people were or, or where they, where their status was prior to last night. If you just watched last night, you wouldn't look at Ron DeSantis and say, okay, that's the guy who's going to go. He's going to be the winner of the semifinal and be in the final right, against Donald right. Trump. You just didn't, you didn't think that, and you wouldn't see that. And I think, and and to some degree too, I think what, what the outline that you just had uh, acts a stronger Haley, uh, a, 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 a kind of surging Ramaswamy, whatever you want to say. Uh, if you have three or four strong candidates, plus you have Trump taking forty percent, Trump did end up winning well last night because nobody, you know. You're you're basically taking sixty percent, dividing it up among three yeah, or four I, bigger I get candidates. You. It took forty eight minutes. I finally got you, Gibbs, where I needed you. Yeah. yeah, but the election isn't tomorrow. You know, it's not like oh, it's a plurality. And let's just see if one of these plants can really grow. That's the question. I think the Nikki plant did well. I don't I don't buy this Vivek surge thing. Or I think he peaked and will be a niche player. He's the new Ben Carson. He's the new Alan Keyes. He's the new. I don't talk well, bad about Kane. Alan Keyes. I love that. Yeah, guy. we love Alan Keyes. No, no, he's the up is the down and the down is the up. Look, Vivek Ramaswamy is not going to be the nominee of the Republican Party, and I don't think. All right, let me write that down. Anybody re- believes that? The question is, can he grab a share? And right. in doing, uh, in grabbing share, listen, he take it away from somebody who had consolidated against Trump. Basically, he called Trump the greatest president of the 21st century on the stage last night. He's not doing any harm to Trump. He's a, See, like a Trump wannabe. So if he grabs 15%, he's doing Trump a favor. And I think among younger voters and some of the cultural warrior crowd, he's going to grab some votes. I and- think he might grab some votes, so I think he could have grabbed more. But who does RC Cola hurt more, Coke or 7-Up? See, I think he will pull some Trump. Some kooks who think the Trump kook show is a little bit worn out will find new fresh kook. So I, I don't buy that he takes non-Trump votes. I think he, he'll he get as many formerly Trump votes looking for something new. But let's find out. we got to throw it in the oven and cook it. Does RC Cola still exist? <laughs> oh, yeah. Say- yeah, ask Coke. They have a meeting every day. How do we screw those bastards? They're worse Nobody than Pepsi. Nobody at Coke is worried about RC Cola, man. <laughs> oh, no, no. Nobody at Coke is worried about RC Cola. If you've ever dealt with a Coca-Cola company, they worry about everybody. It's like Walmart. I did a gig for Walmart. You go into their executive offices and they have this huge thing with the logos. They are all trying to destroy us. You know, Axelrod's Corner Store, Costco. You know, they put them, you have to, when you walk to your office, you have to look at it and shiver for a minute. Murphy opens up a cool RC Cola every night when he watches the Milton Berle show. An RC Cola and a Moon Pie sounds like a pretty damn good afternoon. Actually, no, Axe, you should know better. I'm a Fago man from Detroit, Michigan. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back.
here's my question for you guys. At 7 o'clock tonight, Donald Trump is going to stride into the Fulton County Jail. He is going to be arrested again. He is going to have a mugshot. And I have to tell you that the mugshots we've seen are pretty high quality. They must have brought in a special photographer for the conspirators who are accused in this Trump caper. But um, And I bet you his mugshot will probably be on T-shirts by tomorrow morning. He'll, they'll be the Che T-shirts of the MAGA movement. What happens with him now? Does he continue to gain strength? Does it continue to be politically incorrect on the Republican side to attack him on any of that? And if there's no trial and no conviction before this primary process runs, can he be stopped? What are the odds of their being stopped? Well, you know, come on. You know my answer. One, Trump fatigue is growing. Two, I don't give a damn about national primary voter polls until after the first two contests. And three, the, the, uh, the Trump situation is, in my view, becoming weaker, not stronger. The question is the slope of the decline, and can somebody make that into a reality here in New Hampshire or before this in Iowa? I do know your answer because I, we've been hearing it for about a year. Yeah. But uh, as we've heard yours, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you keep saying that the Trump decline, that Trump is declining and there's no, you know, there aren't. A, I know you're going to point to, you know, New Hampshire. Yeah. We're going to just disagree. And, Let's say I'm, I'm okay. using telepathy. Here. Well, and look, it could happen. A cloud, a stop clock is, is right twice in a day. Right. So you, you could be right about this. Boys, but I'm boys, just boys. waiting to see the evidence. Right. Well, that's why we have primaries. I think, Jack, this is why you're partly right about Trump last night, but not completely right. Right. I, but now I we think, can both gang up on Gibbs, actually. Yeah, exactly. You're going to unite it against <laughs> Screw me. Screw you. You're doing the DeSantis thing. You're halfway <laughs> there and halfway not. Wonder twin powers activated. No, I, look, I think if you if you look at what Trump Trump's going to ultimately be stronger out of today, because one, the images are going to squelch anything that we are talking about and see in the debate once he gets arraigned and mugshotted. And then it'll be rally around him again. Yeah. And everybody on that stage talks about firing the FBI director, appointed by Trump, by the way. The worried about weaponizing the Department of Justice and ends going to stride the embodiment of exactly those two things. And they get farther and farther away from displacing him. So I think the reason that Trump's going to end up today stronger than he was, because he's going to use, as he has for the past six months, the legal process to strengthen his political standing that, by the way, coming out of 2022 is perilous and weak. That's why Ron DeSantis thought people would make the case for him and that the law would make the case for him that Donald Trump was a loser. Uh, and because he was too afraid to say that Donald Trump was a loser. And that is gone out the window. You see the Iowa poll. People are more worried about the candidate, not worried about somebody that they can pick that can beat Joe Biden because everybody thinks they can all beat Joe Biden. Donald Trump's in a really strong position. I, I agree with the sense of that. I don't it may be at some point, Mike, that it, that what you've been saying happens. But I don't feel like there's any real evidence that he's on some level of decline. The, my view, I know we don't need to rehash the argument. Uh, you yep. guys, I, I've heard it a thousand times that I'm contrarian and Trump can definitely win. But there might have been a star born last night, which over time yeah. could grow into something real. We're, we're seeing. There's no doubt that that's true. It'll be fascinating to watch how the next four weeks goes, because I think the real, the good candidates, this is true on election night and primaries. You see 
when somebody wins like Wisconsin and they get up on stage, they have their their two minutes on national TV and they spend their time thanking a bunch of people nobody knows, or they use it to give like their certified some speech about why they won. I want to see who takes last night and puts it into play. What does Nikki Haley do in addition to raising the money? How does she get out there? How does she keep doing this? Well, on she's the stump? got the most aggressive road schedule of any of them in terms of events. She's been here like 60 times in New Hampshire. Nobody's seen her. Because I can tell you, you can't find anybody here talking yep. about this. You're Bigger finding more people now. talking about the Senate primary yeah. here between Chuck Morris and Kelly Ayotte and, you know, others potentially. But she's running for governor, right? Well, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, Sununu's retiring. So, but, but believe me, I've been up to my neck and hacks and regular people here for a month. And I'm stunned at how they're just fatigued with it. And this yeah. is the professional voter world. And the Democrats are all cranky because the DNC put a stake in the state business. Which yeah. is also, both in Iowa and New Hampshire, I've said it before, I'll be super quick. There are a lot of bored Democrats who might play Republican here. It's quite yeah. easier to do. And in Iowa, they have nothing yeah. to do now. She probably helped herself with them. Yes. Uh, last yeah. night. I don't think anybody drops out, but is, is, is... End of the year if you do. Yeah. Okay. Particularly Asa Hutchinson, who was on that stage, barely made it into the debate. Right. The, the date stage will be smaller in a month when they do this again, because the polling requirements are going to go up. Yeah, as they should. And, and, then, and then I think some people may disappear. I will leave you with this thought. Someday, I'm hoping that it's a very long time from now, when Mike Murphy goes <laughs> to his eternal rewards, his tombstone will read, it's still early. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I believe. No, the crowd will stand in adoring silence while former two-term president Nikki Haley said, you know, we had our differences, <laughs> but Mike got one thing really, really right. <laughs> and then the jets will fly over and you guys will wipe <laughs> tears from your eyes. I can see it all. All right. I have to take a non-Tesla American-made EV across this great country from New Hampshire to Los Angeles. People say it's impossible. Ha! Check me out on Substack to find out. Are we doing questions? Because I got to no, go. No, no, we got to go. All right. We'll do, we'll do it next week. All right. On the way out, X, I'm going to leave you with the most important job of the podcast, which is our book club. Go to hacksontap.com slash book club, and you can find some of the books that we recommend and many of our guests have, and we know we have one today. So let's hear about it. So uh, a buddy of ours from the Institute of Politics at the University of Chicago, uh, Joel Ebert, has co-authored a book called Welcome to Capitol Hill, 50 Years of Scandal in Tennessee Politics. So for all your scandal buffs and political junkies, uh, pick it up. It's, it's out now, uh, and uh, I, I think you'll enjoy it. It's a, uh, it's a real uh, uh, rollicking account, as I said on the book cover, squalid tales of larceny in high places that will make you howl. So goodbye, everybody. I'll see you on the highway, gang. This was a fun one. Look forward to arguing about the same old crap again and again and again. Love you guys. We'll see you all later. All right. Let me just say, if you're driving across the country and see a presumed madman in an electric vehicle, wave to Mike Murphy and please don't cut him off because he's tense. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Thank you.